You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy belated Thanksgiving to all of you. It's a victory Friday as Minnesota defeats Detroit 30-23 on Turkey Day. They've won seven straight. They lead the NFC North by three games with five to go. And they are a half game back of the elusive Philadelphia Eagles for the number one seed in the National Football Conference. My name's Sam Ekstrom. I'm on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom. Subscribe to the show on iTunes. Leave a review with your Twitter handle. Have a chance to win a Pro Football Focus subscription. I'm up in the Iron Range, and the Cumulus Studios are back in Minneapolis, so it's going to be a mishmash of thoughts from yours truly. And let me just rap about this game for a minute. Could you have scripted a better start for the Vikings? And starting with the coin toss, the Lions chose to receive yesterday. And lately, that has been playing right into the Vikings' hands. And a lot of people got frustrated with the, the deferring routine a couple of years ago. Vikings were always going on defense first. And they've done that almost every single time this year. Two out of the last three games, it's worked really well. You, you come out in the second half, you score right away. And you put the game virtually out of reach. Now, both both of those instances, the Redskins almost came back. The Lions almost came back yesterday. But scoring early in that second half has been pretty nice. But the start in the first half was even nicer. You stopped Detroit. 80-yard touchdown drive. TD to Kyle Rudolph. 6-0. Two plays later, a turnover. Amir Abdullah, who's about to get run out of Detroit, fumbles the football. Daniil Hunter, Johnny on the spot, recovers. Three plays later, Case Keenum, read option, touchdown. His first rushing touchdown of the year, 13-0. Just like that, you're up 13 against a team that doesn't usually give up 20 or more to you. Again, I mentioned it, the Lions have struggled on defense at home this year. 25 points a game, that'll go up after yesterday. I thought they were stout after the Latavius Murray touchdown. In some sense, the Vikings may have played a little bit not to lose instead of win. They didn't really have the killer instinct offensively that I would have liked to see yesterday. Unfortunately, it didn't come back to bite them. But Case Keenum in the first half, man, 14 out of 18, 189 yards. That's about 10 yards per attempt, folks. Sam Bradford last year in Detroit had six. Two passing, one rushing touchdown in the first half for Keenum. And again, he played his best football early in the game as he did against Washington. He seems to have one brilliant half in him every game, right? Against Washington, it was the first half. Against the Rams, it was the second half. Against the Lions, it was the first half. He didn't do much on that second half touchdown drive because they ran the ball four straight times and they pounded it in. The Lions have been susceptible on the ground of late, and the Vikings took advantage really on that drive and not in a whole lot of other places. Like Jarek McKinnon had a 16-yard run on that drive, and he was less than a yard to carry after that, I think. Latavius Murray went off for 94. 
and 46 of those yards were on that drive. That's about half. But they'll take it any way they can get it. Vikings led 27-10 before things got really nuts. Defense went into bend-don't-break mode. They hold to a field goal, 27-13. They give up a touchdown to Darren Fells, only for the referees to, at the last second, review the play and overturn it. The ball clearly dribbled off the turf before it went into the chest of Fells. So they settle for a field goal, 27-16. Fourth quarter begins, Lions have a little momentum. Case Keenum, he's been sacked a couple times. Then you've got 12 men on the field. You've got a Stafford touchdown to Marvin Jones on a stupid, ridiculous catch. Terrence Newman actually tried to jump in in the play and screwed up the coverage with Mackenzie Alexander. And they somehow both missed that ball. Touchdown Detroit, 27-23, uh-oh. Offense slowing down a bit. They pass up on a 55-yard field goal. And the faith in the kicking game might become an issue here. But Ryan Quigley does his job. Underrated play in that game. He avoids the touchback. He gets Detroit at the 8-yard line. Last year, if you recall, the Vikings had Detroit pinned before they went on their game-tying field goal drive on Thanksgiving. They had him pinned at the 1. Yesterday, the Vikings were given a gift by Golden Tate. He catches the ball at the line and jumps backward, nullifying the first down. It was a bad play. He probably would have had it. Vikings get the ball back via punt. And this is where the fortitude of Keenum was tested, and it was exemplary. He drives the Vikings for a clutch field goal, a much-needed Kai Forbath field goal. He's now 2 of 5 the last two weeks. Not to mention the play we're about to bring up. Lions get the ball back. 30 to 23. Vikings were smart. They identified Matt Stafford's immobility. Remember, Matt Stafford really hurt that ankle on the Marvin Jones touchdown. I'm glad he's okay. I don't appreciate seeing the league's quarterbacks get picked off one by one, and that seems like that's what's been happening this year. I didn't need to see Jake Rudock in there for the Lions. And Stafford is such a gamer, I bet he doesn't miss any time. He's got half a bye week now to heal up. I was afraid that was a bad knee injury. Fortunately, just an ankle. He's a, pretty much a pocket passer anyway, and that shouldn't affect him all that much. But the Vikings knew he really couldn't escape, so they blitzed him hard. They got the Lions into fourth and eight. Stafford made a hurried throw, and Xavier Rhodes, who had a substandard day. The pro football focus grades will be interesting on Rhodes, but he makes the play when he needed to tips it up to himself for the interception, runs it down to the 19 where he trips over Mackenzie Alexander, might have had a touchdown, and then you had to go through one heart attack before this thing was over. Chip shot field goal to clinch it. Field goals have been far from routine on this day. Kai Forbath has his field goal blocked by Darius Slay, returned for an apparent touchdown, and you know, on TV, Joe Buck did a great job of identifying immediately that it was offsides. He took the intrigue or the drama or the fear out of the play. But imagine if you were watching that at a bar where maybe there were a lot of TVs, the volume was off, and you saw that happen. Imagine the horror of watching that occur because it was not apparent in fast motion that that was offside. They had a, a sky cam view, nearly disastrous. I guess you can't knock Mike Prefer's units for that particular play, but Mike Zimmer even said it after the game. Special teams got outplayed. They gave up some quality returns in the return game. 
Obviously, the field goal kicking was a huge problem. Kai Forbath left four points on the field. Four points on the field in a one-possession game late. Something has to change there. And even though those lapses are probably not on Forbath, he had a bad hold that kind of ate up quickly, and he bobbled it. That might have thrown off Forbath. And then you had Akeem Spence just bullied through the line on his block. Even when you have protection issues, that's going to throw off the schedule of Kai Forbath. That might make him hurry up a beat. It might make him think too hard. Kickers are fragile beings. So when their routine gets messed up, it might throw off the swing of their foot. He did not have a good year kicking against Detroit. Didn't burn the Vikings in this one, though. They get to win 30-23. to Shout out for Adam Thielen. Eight catches, 89 yards. A workmanlike performance by Thielen who continues his streak of five-plus catches in every single game this year. And he vaults himself over 1,000 yards for the season. First Viking to do that this early since Randy Moss. He has over 70 receptions. What a season for Thielen. And even though he didn't stretch the field deep, he was a terrific intermediate option in that game. Kyle Rudolph really starting to emerge. Four grabs, 63 yards. His first two-touchdown game in over five years. September 23rd, 2012 against the Niners. Last time he scored more than a touch, more than one touchdown. Rudolph had a slow start to the season, had 10 catches through four games. Since then, 6 5 5 6 5 5 4 and four touchdowns. He's not going to have quite the year he had last year, but he's still on pace for over 70 catches. Should have about eight or nine touchdowns when the year's done, maybe 700 yards. That's a great tight end season. There are very few tight ends that put up gigantic numbers, Rob Gronkowski being one of them, you know, Jason Witten, but Rudolph continues to be solid. He's not special in the way he runs after the catch, and sometimes he'll madden people with a, with a contested drop here and there. But I think he's actually had pretty good hands this season. He's made some great catches. He seems to have good chemistry with Case, and the throw by Case for the second touchdown. His best, his best throw of the year, maybe? One of his best throws of the year, about to get slammed. That's the underrated part of Case. People wonder why he doesn't get sacked. Some of it's his elusiveness, but some of it is just his, his guts to hang in there. Sam Bradford was the same way. Let's give Sam credit, too. He wasn't elusive, but he would also hang in the pocket. If you're going to be a pocket passer, you absolutely have to be able to hang in there and throw. And that's what Sam Bradford did. With Keenum, it's the best of both worlds. He'll scramble away. He had, at one point, the team lead in rushing yards before the Vikings picked it up on the ground but he'll also be courageous in the pocket. Well, suddenly the decision at running back is getting a little tougher too. For a while there, people were completely writing off Latavius Murray, me included. He looked slow, he had no lateral speed, and frankly, I still think those things apply. When he gets in the open field, like on that 46-yard run, you almost know he's not scoring. He does not have breakaway speed, but he knows where his lanes are in this zone blocking. When you're in a zone blocking scheme, there's a lot of responsibility on the running back of which hole to hit. And to the partial credit of Murray, partial credit to the offensive line, there have been holes to hit. And the last few games, he's done a great job hitting them. And he's really outshined McKinnon the last few weeks. Here's Murray's last five games. After not getting more than 31 yards 
through week six, he's gone 113, then 39 outlier, 68, 95, 84. That's over 80 yards per game for Murray, and he's got five touchdowns in that stretch. I thought the secondary really had some issues yesterday, particularly the cornerbacks. Trey Waynes made some outstanding plays in tackling, credited with just one tackle for loss, but he had a few that were very close to the line of scrimmage. Xavier Rhodes got picked on. He also gave up that first Vikings touchdown. I thought the secondary was a little bit neutralized yesterday by the officiating. Rhodes likes to play physical brain to press. He got penalized for it yesterday, as did many players in this game. There were 17 penalties. An over-legislated football game, which is frustrating, and here's why. When you over-officiate, you set a standard where you ex- where players and coaches expect things to get called consistently. If you're letting them play and there's a borderline call, well, at least players and coaches can understand that, okay, this is going to be a physical game. Things might get let go. Whistles might get swallowed. So for yesterday, on what turned out to be a pretty big miss, for the officials to miss the most obvious of calls on a pass interference on Stefan Diggs that would have put the Vikings in the red zone, up by 14 with a chance to really sink the dagger in, that's a reason to feel irked. As it was, the Vikings punted, and they ended up having to sweat out that finish. Mike Zimmer admitted yesterday they were expecting it from that crew. Nine penalties on Minnesota, eight on Detroit for a combined 128 yards. Everson Griffin, two sacks yesterday, including a celebration that I don't think people realize how how perfectly it fit into Griffin's persona. Griffin's jumping and flexing celebrations called the sack daddy. And yesterday he became a daddy for the third time. His son was born Thanksgiving morning. He watched the birth on FaceTime. And after his first sack of Stafford, he pulls out his undershirt, which reads, written in pen, I just had a baby boy. What should we name him? He crowdsourced the name. How awesome is that? I remember back when uh, Adrian Peterson was just coming off his child abuse allegations and he did something similar where he put it out on Twitter. What should we name our child? Well, you can imagine how those mentions went. It's not always a great idea to ask for advice when it comes to kid names. I think in this case, it's going to be a lot of fun for the Griffins. Congrats to Everson, who already had two boys named Grayson and Ellis. Wouldn't be surprised to see Grayson Griffin and or Ellis Griffin playing football somewhere someday. So if you're, keep, if you're keeping track, that's nine sacks of Stafford this year by the Vikings defense. Because Minnesota split with Detroit now, the tiebreaker goes to division record, which is still to be determined for both squads. But but just think think this through here. If the Vikings just win at home, the rest of the way. If they beat Cincinnati at home, which they should, and the Bears at home, which they should, they guarantee themselves a tie at minimum, and that would require the Lions to win out. Yes, the Lions have an easy schedule. I still think the odds are stacked against them. And that'll bring me to this weekend's games. I don't know if the Vikings are are going to tie the Eagles this Sunday. The Eagles play the Bears at home. They're favored by two touchdowns. I'm going to put 100 confidence meter points on Philadelphia. You hear that, Sage? I'll text Sage and get his confidence meter picks. I would expect the Eagles to go to 10-1. and 
The Packers at Steelers, Pittsburgh favored by two touchdowns at home in this one. I'll go with 85 on Pittsburgh. The Packers just got shut out at home. If they lose this game, I'm calling it for Green Bay. The NFC is too good and too deep. Atlanta and Seattle are at 6-4, and four, and you know one of those teams is going to streak to the finish. They might win 11 games. If Green Bay loses their sixth, it is over for the Packers. Rodgers or not, I'm calling it. And this is what happens in the NFL. The leagues get weeded down. For a couple weeks there, we were saying there were 10 NFC teams that we thought could really go places. I'd say that list is down to maybe eight, the eighth being Detroit. You've got Seattle and Atlanta, who just played each other. But Carolina, LA, New Orleans, Minnesota, Philadelphia, that's your high five right now. I think they're a class above the rest. Atlanta, maybe. Jury out. Oh, Saints at Rams. We got to pick this one. There's absolutely no doubt Vikings are cheering for the Rams. If the Rams win this game, they'll bring the Saints down to 8-3. and three. Both teams will be at 8-3, and three, and the Vikings will have a de facto two-game lead on both because they possess the tiebreaker on both. Go Rams if you're a Vikings fan. That's the late game tomorrow on CBS. Awesome. At Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, Matt Derry has locked on Lions the sound of sorrow on our sister show on the Locked On Podcast Network. We'll talk to you on Monday.